Well, once again, let me say good morning. morning. It's great to be with you each today. It has been, can I just say this? It has been a weird, it was a weird holiday season. Can I say that? Is that all right? Christmas Eve getting snowed out was terrible, okay? And then being online Christmas Day, it was like the, the worst, it was like the worst of the worst. I felt like I, I wasn't, around, I mean, I was around my family, felt like I wasn't around anybody, you know, from the church. It was, it was rough, boy, I tell you what. But it is great to be here with you today, and it's great to worship the Lord together. We're starting a new series called The Heart of Worship. And I'm really looking forward to this series. And um, I don't know, I don't know what your your experience was growing up, other than that most of you have grown up. In theory, you know, at least most of you have. Um, most of us, maybe some of us, aren't fully grown up. But let me let me just tell you that in my own personal story, okay. I grew up, and, and see, even church buildings were, were different back then, okay? Now, I realize this is a school, and so we just make do with, with what's here, right? But I grew up uh, in a church that was long, okay? So the, there was a lot of pews, and it went bad. they went back a long way, okay? And nobody sat in the front, ever. Thank you. Just want to say thank you. Those of you that are sit, sitting in the front row, thank you. Nobody sat, in fact, they didn't sit in the first row. They didn't seat, sit in the second row, generally speaking. But then there was this family in the third row. And I grew up on that third row. My entire childhood through, through high school, I grew up on the third row. And this was back in the era, I'm dating myself, but when we sang three hymns every Sunday, okay? That's, that's what life was like. But, but you see, it was during that time. I learned, I learned to love songs like There's Power in the Blood. How about I'll Fly Away? Oh, I'll fly away. Oh, oh, man, don't get me started because that is just, that's good old stuff. Rock of ages, you know. I mean, we, we, my, my dad, those of you that have met my dad, you understand this. My dad sings loud, okay? My dad sings loud, and we sat on the third row. When I was a kid, the pastor's hair was always combed straight back. It was be- not, not because he wanted that style. It was the force of my father's singing, just moving his hair in a backward direction. I learned to sing harmony on the front, that, that third row with my dad. And, and I learned what it was to express my worship to the Lord. And eventually, it wasn't something that was only a Sunday morning on the third row in my life, but it also really began to spread out in other areas of my life. And when we think of worship, what do we think of? 
Do we think of only getting together, only a, a, a room like this full of people where worship can take place? Remember that scripture I just mentioned a moment ago. Scripture says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So it's not, it's not about the size of the group that are together. But what do we think of? Do we think about that it has to be some sort of a gathering? Do we think of it maybe, uh, maybe it's more of a liturgical formality because that's the kind of church that, that you grew up in. And so there needs to be somebody with a robe in front leading it. And there, it, it needs to all be printed on a sheet. And it's something that, that just has become uh, very meaningful to you or it was meaningful to you as you were growing up. Maybe you think of a particular uh, style of music, you know, and if, uh, if, if it's not something that, that your favorite church uh, that you, you watch online, if it's, not, if it's not at Stephen Furtick's church, it can't really be worship. What do you think of? What is worship? And today I want to share four things that I think... If we understand these things, it's going to help us to understand what worship really is. The first one is this. Worship is deserved. It's deserved. Now, I got to make sure. Are you with me this morning? Are you okay? You guys are, you guys are so quiet. It's unbelievable. Okay? You're kind of scaring me. You're making me a little nervous. Are you, say, I'm Okay. All right, so just take a breath. We're, we're going to make it. Worship is deserved. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I struggle with the word deserved. Not as it relates to God. I'm just talking about real life me, okay? I struggle with the word deserved. Marketing uses that word quite frequently. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. But when you see an ad or, or when you go to the car lot and you're looking at a new vehicle, what do they tell you? You deserve it. They, they tell you that. You deserve it. And, and I, that, that just, abs, I don't know, it repulses me. I, I don't know what it is, but it bothers me so bad. But we see it everywhere. You deserve a break today. Where? Thank you, at McDonald's. You deserve a break today. Ladies, for those of you that... that that want to deny the fact that age is coming and you want to keep your hair color the, the color that it was when you were a younger lady and you use a product uh, to, to, to take care of that. What do they say? Why should you do it? Because you're worth it. L'Oreal. That just means you deserve, you're, you're, you deserve it. You're worth it. We have that, that way of thinking. For those of you that are a little more, you know, in the, the world of comedy that, that you might understand it, there was a skit called Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live. And Stuart Smalley would look into the mirror and he would say to himself, I deserve it. And doggone it, people like me. 
deserved it. But I don't feel like I deserve anything. And I don't, I don't believe that, that we can say that we deserve anything. And as I, as I think about worship and I think about this idea of deserving, I, I literally, the, to say you deserve something, it's like a lazy marketing plan. And then when I think about God and I, and I interject that idea of deserving, what about God? Does God deserve to be worshipped? And, and should we chastise him for using lazy marketing techniques or schemes? Does God deserve worship? Is he so egomaniacal that, that it just is something that he craves and so therefore he believes that he deserves it? In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11, John the Revelator writes this, You are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they, are, they were created and have their being. Friends, our worship is based solely on God's worthiness. You wonder, why, why do these people... Uh, why, you know, at the beginning of the service, why do they incorporate these songs that talk about God, that talk about his attributes? It's because we believe that our worship is based on God's worthiness, not on our life's circumstance. Now, some of you in this room, if worship was based on life circumstance, You'd be going, yes, I believe in worship because my circumstances are really going great. They are so fantastic. It is easy for me. Worship just flows out of me because everything is going fantastic. And then there's the rest of us. Can anybody identify with that, that other part of the group there that, that maybe your circumstance is not all going fantastically, that there are things happening in your life right now that are, that are just plain awful? Hey, I'm, it's, it's the truth. We have to recognize the reality of life that, that, that if we have to wait until our life is going fantastic, some of us may never worship him. So our worship must be based on something other than our circumstances. If your, if your, your, your worship is based on a fantastic situation in your life and your marriage is bad, you'll never worship. Right? Okay? If, if your worship is based on circumstances and your finances are in the tank, you're not going to worship. If it's based on circumstance and your health is going downhill, then you're not going to worship. If it's based on your job or your kids and that's going bad, then you're not going to want to worship. After Jesus fasted for 40 days in the desert, the Bible says that he was tempted. We read about it in Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Let me just quickly read it. It says the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor 
It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours, Jesus answered. It is written, Jesus answered, uh, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him. What's that last word? Only, only. We worship God because he alone is worthy. I was thinking about this this morning as I was getting ready for the service, that, that when we think of God and his worthiness, we are able to say that he alone is worthy. There is no other God that can compare. There's no other God that has done anything like our God is, that who, any other God that who, that is as our God is. The Bible tells us, and I was thinking about this as I was praying, that he is the king of kings, that he's the Lord of lords, that is, the, he's the creator and the sustainer of life. There is no God like our God. He alone is worthy. You know, if he was not worthy, we would not be obligated to worship him. But he is worthy, and he alone is worthy. In Second Samuel chapter two, verse or First Samuel chapter two, verse two, the prophet Samuel said this: "There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God." So he is not only worthy, but he is worthy alone, and he deserves our worship because he alone is worthy of it. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Secondly, worship is expressed. It's expressed. In early December, we got a group of people together and we went out to Snowberry Heights and we sang Christmas carols. That's where all the sickness started, I think. (laughs) Man, it was... Oh, it's been rough since then in my house. But we, we got together and we sang Christmas carols. And afterwards, we went around from table to table. And, and we took plates of cookies, okay? Half these people are type 2 diabetics, all right? We're just shoving sugar in their mouth, you know? And, they, and they're, they're like, yes, please. It was wonderful. And I didn't realize it, but I, my, the sweatshirt that I had on said Green Bay across it. And I got to this one table, and these ladies started talking smack to me. Because the Lions had just beat the Packers. Okay? The Lions had just beat the Packers, and these 80-year-old women were talking smack to me. And I was so taken back by it, and I was like... Have you forgot about the last how many generational? I didn't say that, though. I did not say it. That would have not been nice. But I, got a, I get a call this last week. And it's a call from my brother. And he's like, hey, I got tickets. You want to go? I said, yeah, yes, I want to go. And I'm, 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 I'm one of those people that I'm a homebody, and, but this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to go, right? 
and if, and if this game turns out good, I may go back to Snowberry, okay? I'm, I'm not sure, but I may go back to Snowberry. But, but I, I, this has been a weird, a weird season because my team until the last five weeks has been awful, and, and I, it's just not been fun, okay? But all of a sudden, there's hope, okay? All of a sudden, there's hope to get into the playoffs, and so my dad always asked me this question, would you rather go in person or would you rather watch on TV? And, and watching it on TV is, is great, you know, but, but there's something about going to the game. I don't know if, if, you, if you're a sports fan and, and like they, they showed yesterday the, the, the game with the, the Las Vegas Raiders, there were people, there was one person dressed in a gorilla costume, okay, with a giant giant beaded necklace. The, bead, the bottom bead was that big, okay? And they are, they're in that costume the whole game. That would be awful. That would be terrible. People get their, they lose their minds this time of year. They absolutely go crazy. I'm going to go down there today. I'm going to watch this game, and there are going to be people that are insane, okay? Now, I'm going to lose my voice, but I, my voice isn't very strong anymore anyway. I'm going to lose my voice because I'm going to cheer. Fortunately, I know how to whistle. Not fortunately for the people next to me. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheer. I'm going to express myself, right? But it's interesting to me that you put the same group of people from a Packer game into the church and they can say I'm uncomfortable expressing myself. It's the truth. Worship is expression. It's expressing ourselves. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The, the Greek word for worship, it means service to God. It's the act from the heart showing God the value that we place on him. That's what it is. Worship is not about God. It's to God. Are you with me? When we're gathered here and we're singing a song and we're lifting up the name of Jesus, it's not about him. It's to him. It's to him. That's what we're doing. It's not just about singing about God, but singing to him. It's not just about clapping or raising our hands, but it's doing those things to him. It's not about bowing about God in reverence. It's doing it to him ultimately. It's not about giving, but it's giving to him. It's not about playing the guitar. It's about playing it to him as an audience of one in our worship. On that third row as I was growing up, it was torture. Who's torture? You say, well, that's not a very nice way to talk about it. No, it was. Because as a teenager, I knew every other kid in that church, their, their eyes were focused on the back of our heads. That's why I'm bald. <laughs> it got burned off. All the roots were burned out when I was a kid from their eyes. Okay, 
And, and there's other circumstances that were involved because there were, there were a few other people that would sit ahead of us and they were people that, let's just say that they, um, they had some, some struggles in life, okay? And, and, and they lived together in a facility and they came and, and they were there every Sunday, but, but it, it was just different than, than what my friends, you know, were all about. And so there was, there was no room. I mean, it was, it, we were at the front of the church. It was socially as a teenager, it was, it was terrible. That's, that's what I, I felt. But then I learned, and then I grew beyond that. And I'm so glad because I remember once as I was, I was 17, I was in the car for an extended period of time driving um, and and I was driving my first car. It was a 71 Caprice Classic. It was huge. And it had a cassette deck in it. And I had a, a, a cassette that, that I loved. And it was called Andre Crouch and the Disciples Live in London. And I'm telling you, I was listening to that tape. And unexplicably, the power of God fell in that space while I was all alone. And I began to weep. Why? Because I was encountering the presence of God. I was worshiping. It became about him, not about me. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, the writer of Hebrews says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips, that openly profess his name. Friends, our worship is voluntary. It is, it is something that is an act that, that God gives us the choice. We don't have to worship. We don't have to do it. But the scripture says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Worship is something that we express. It's something that we speak. It's something that we sing. It's something that we live. It's not about God. It's to God. And it's an expression because that's how we're made. When it means enough, it comes out. And thirdly, worship is deep. It's deep. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Jesus in his ministry, runs into a woman at the well in Samaria. And the Samaritans um, were an interesting group of people. They were Jews that um, when the Assyrians invaded, most of them got um, exiled to uh, where the Assyrians wanted them to go. And some of them were still in their home areas and they intermarried with other cultures around Israel and the Jews called them half-breeds and they did not like them and they developed their own place of worship not in Jerusalem but on Mount Gerizim they built their own temple and so Jesus is having this conversation with this woman and she said you know we we worship on Mount Gerizim that's where we worship and Jesus told her he said listen it's not about where you worship it's about who you worship and it's about how you worship. John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Here's what Jesus says to her. Yet a time is coming and has now come 
when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship Him in the Spirit and in truth. Jesus is saying it's not about where you worship, it's about how you worship, it's about who you worship. And Jesus is saying God is looking for worshipers. Did you know that? He's looking for worshipers. Looking for you and I to be worshipers. You know, through the Holy Spirit, God is looking to draw people to himself. In Psalm 42, 7, it says that deep calls to deep. Our worship comes from deep inside us. Not, not the surface stuff, but when we really are engaging in worship, God is calling us to be true worshipers, and that worship comes from deep within us. And then number four, worship is obedience. In the Old Testament in 1 Samuel, God tells the prophet Samuel to tell King Saul, I want you to go and destroy the Amalekites. In fact, he said, uh, they attacked the Hebrews as they left Egypt, so now I'm going to destroy them. And he, meant, he said, utterly destroy, completely. In other words, I want you to destroy the king. I want you to destroy every man, woman, and child. And I want you to destroy every animal that they have. I want you to destroy it all. And... What happened was King Saul decided that he was going to rescue or not, not kill the king. And they decided that they would keep the best of the sheep and the cattle and things like that. And so the prophet confronts the king and he said, why did you disobey God? And Saul's answer to him was, hey, we're going to use this stuff to sacrifice to the Lord. So the best of the sheep and the best of the cattle, we're going to worship God with these things. Because in the Old Testament, that's how they worshiped. They made sacrifices of animals. So they said, really, really, we've obeyed God. And here's what the prophet says to King Saul. He said in 1 Samuel 15, 22, he said, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. You see, the apostle Paul believed that partial obedience is the same as full and complete obedience. And the, the difficult thing is that most of, of us in this room, we've all been guilty of that in our lives. We feel like if we're, if we're obedient to part of what God has told us, that that's good enough. You say, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure that really that's what, what I'm like. Well, you know, the Bible says, love your neighbor, and we look at that and we go, you know what, That's, I like that one. Yeah, I want to do that. The Bible says that we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us, and we say, man, that's another good one. I think that I, 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 I want to do that. But the Bible also says that we should share our faith with others, and we say, whoa, wait a minute. 
My personality's not quite that outgoing. I don't think that's something that I want to do. The Bible says that we should give back a, a portion of what God has blessed us with, and we say, wait, hold, that's optional. That's really not what God means by that. We are all guilty of doing the same thing that Saul did, and that is that we want to obey part of it, but we don't necessarily want to obey all of it. What we do is very similar, I think, to what, what I remember when I was a kid. I remember the first time I knew what a smorgasbord was. And it became the greatest thing my mind had. My mind was blown. Walk into a restaurant. You mean I don't, I don't have to limit myself to what I can eat here? It's not about a burger and a fry. And fry but, but literally that whole table, that I can choose from all of that. And I can have some of this and I can have some of that. I can leave that and I can have this. And as a kid, my mind was, I was, it was, it was I was shocked absolutely shocked. You mean I can have, I can go back again? And I can go back again? I can have whatever I want and as much as I want of it? I think we make worship a smorgasbord. And we say to ourselves, you know what, I'm going to pick and I'm going to choose this thing and, and that thing. And I, I like a little of this, but you know, that's not really my taste. So I don't, I don't know if I really want that. I, I love God, but, but, you know, maybe obedience is really not necessary. But Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to obey me. And so it's not really the way we think it is. And worship is about obedience. And, and it's not about me, but it's about him. That's what worship is. And my obedience is worship to him. So as we look at what worship is, we get ready to close our service here. I just want to remind you that it's, it's deserved. Him alone. It's something that we express. We're made that way. We're made that way. It's deep. It comes from deep inside us, and it's characterized by obedience. And you know what we all need? We all need that third row experience that I had as a kid. We need to learn what it is to worship. To worship from deep inside us. It's not about circumstance. It's not about how things are going. But it's about putting our attention on him. It's not even about God. It's to him to realize that what I am doing, I am offering a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips to profess his name. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to close our song, our, our service with that song that we sang a little bit earlier called Waymaker. And I just want to encourage you. It's a brand new year, guys. It's a brand new year. This year could be different than any year you've ever had in your life. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to say, God, I want to be a worshiper like never before in my life. And it's not about doing an activity. It's about directing it 
to who he is. And this is the sacrifice. When we talk about a sacrifice, we become the sacrifice. I'm going to have Marie lead us, and I just want to encourage you. I'm going to open these altars up in front. I, I, if this is the altar, I want to put myself on it today and say, God, I want to be the sacrifice that you desire of me, and I want it to give praise and glory to you. As we worship, I'm just going to invite you, if that's what you'd like to do, to come and let's just worship together for just, just a few more moments and then I'll pray a prayer of dismissal over us. But Marie, would you lead us? And I just want to invite you to come. Father, as we close our time together this morning, Lord, I just want to pray for that one that's here today that says, you know, I, I, I'm not really sure that I... I have the kind of relationship with God that I can say I've really worshiped him before. And Father, if that's the case with someone that's here this morning, I pray right now that they would simply say, God, I desire that kind of relationship. I want to accept Jesus as my savior. I realize that I need to be forgiven of my sin, and I, I want you to come into my life, be my Lord and my Savior. Father, I pray that, that they would pray that today in their own hearts. God, I pray that there would be new relationships with Jesus Christ that are begun today. Father, we thank you for the time that we can be together. Thank you that you call us to be worshipers. God, we bless you today. We thank you. And we pray that this new year will be an incredible year. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I just want to thank you for being here today. I want to encourage you. Uh, we put a bunch of new additional comfortable seating out uh, kind of in the hub for you to be able to just sort of hang with your coffee and, and uh, be able to chat with people. God bless you. Happy New Year. It's great to have you here today.